Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, you might not be at the game this year in the NFL, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. They've got game spreads, totals, team player and coaching props, even an amazing live betting app. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And don't worry, there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, bet online and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the pod today. It's Bears vs. Lions, round two. We're all the way back since week one. We've got a sequel on our hands this weekend. So I got to bring in my man, Spectrum Sports producer, Gunnar Ludwig. You can find him on t- Twitter at Lunner Gudwig. Uh, that's his burner account. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the Detroit Lions way. Gunner, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. It's, you know, I'm celebrating the firing of Matt Patricia that, you know, I've been calling for since the day he got hired. So uh, it's, there's very few things to celebrate in my life as a Lions fan. So I'm going to soak this moment up. Well, and that's the nice thing about the internet, right? Where we actually have it. It's recorded in the archives somewhere. You might have to do a little research, but me and you, we did a pod on, on your platform about, what, maybe three years ago, the week that he was hired. And when Matt Patricia was hired, there was a, an allegation of sexual assault that dated back to him being in college. You didn't even really like the move from a football standpoint. You wanted him fired the very week you thought, hey, this is a perfect out right now. If this is out there in the news, you know, we can't have this in our organization. You should fire him now. Three years later, Gunner, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good because there's not that many things that I can say that I've gotten right about that, that I've been right about for that long. Um, I mean, it was honestly, it was well before the hiring. Um, I was fearing the rumors for like a year and a half before the hiring that Bob Quinn wanted to hire this, this worthless guy. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I've never been a fan of hiring someone because of their proximity to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Um, and or or because of their uh, big tough guy gut and, and big beard and pencil in their ear or willingness to wear shorts in the snow. So, um, you know, other than that, there's really nothing on his resume that's ever suggested he should be an NFL head coach. So, um, you know, now I guess that the 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 crown of, of or, or, or reverse crown, whatever that is, of, of worst head coach in the NFL has probably been passed along to Adam Gase. So, um you know, the, 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 as a Lions fan, we will probably get the next hiring wrong. But until then, we can just kind of hope that, that there's, there's hope in the future that doesn't involve Matt Patricia. Yeah, there's happiness in the anticipation and the optimism. You're bringing up a very good point because I went to elementary school with a kid who wore shorts in the wintertime, and I never trusted him. No. I always thought something was wrong with him or I thought that his parents were a little off. Like, why would you let your kid go out and do that in the first place? So you're making up a very good point right there. Just a question about burner accounts, Gunner. Um, you know, what's the, what's the best way to go about it? Um, you know, uh, at Lunner Gudwig uh, yeah. <laughs> on, on Twitter, you can't really go overboard about, you know, you're so handsome, you're so smart, you're so tall. I mean, talk to me a little bit about Eddie P because this seems to be the big story that's breaking in the Detroit Free Press today. Yeah, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I want this to be real. I really want this to be an, a burner account run by Matt Patricia or like one of his idiot friends, you know, um, but, but under, under the, the knowledge that, that he knows that it's, it's, it exists. Um, very specific 
uh, very specific, odd, um, you know, defenses and claims, and a lot of a lot of uh, jabs and punches thrown at Bob Quinn, who's really the only person who's ever defended or fought for Matt Patricia and hired him, um, gave which, him which, millions, which does kind of. Um, you know, speak to the character of, of Matt Patricia. If Eddie P is Matt Patricia, I think I found out the other day that, that Edward is his middle name. Edward is um, his middle name. He's got three kids. There's a lot of breadcrumbs, and they don't just lead up to his beard. Uh, there's well, now, on one hand, it seems a little too obvious, but um, but but maybe that, that would be giving credit of Matt Patricia, you know, realizing he's doing something stupid, which he's never done in three years as a Lions head coach. Maybe so. I'm laying it on too thick. I mean, yeah. literally, in the article they're like it got to the point where like the lions would be would be nowhere without matt patricia the people started commenting and being like whoa dude you are a little bit too much of a supporter of matt patricia like even even for someone that wants to say something nice about him it seemed a little overboard yeah now now however you know this this isn't a jokey burner account like he's not sarcastically defending matt patricia right so the, the the obviousness would would lead you to think that that would be the case right that it was like supposed to make people think it was a a, a burner account of matt patricia like it's not they're not really funny uh claims or defenses so uh, yeah who knows I, i'd love to i'd love for some hard journalism to to crack the case on this eddie p burner account um i think it was getting close to 2000 followers which might be more than matt patricia's actual account um, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I can't really speak to this because I, I don't even know if I have a hundred followers on Twitter on my real account. So if you're not in that territory, you're, you have no business making a burner. But um, yeah, you get verified hard at 2K, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you know, um, it, it's it's really fun. I, I really want to think that it's him. I'm kind of fifty-fifty. I think there's a decent chance it, it's probably not him, but there's a decent chance it's someone uh, close to him. And he knows that they're running it. Um, you know, what was the Jerry Colangelo thing? Didn't they find out it was kind of like his wife? Or he just blamed it on his wife, which is yeah, a big yeah, yeah, he threw her under, <laughs> He threw his wife under the bus, I think, on that like, one. That seems like what's coming next for Patricia. Seems like a classic Patricia move. <laughs> they're in, like, the Detroit Police Department right now looking at all the suspects. And the only suspect that they can cross off right now is Jim Caldwell. That is the only guy that they know that is definitely, is definitely not him at this point. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, you know, you know, it's probably not any members of the Lions because, again, um, I mean, you know, mentioning Jim Caldwell, it's kind of telling for, for the Matt Patricia, you know, regime and era um, that, that pretty much all the Lions players either didn't say anything or literally celebrated his firing. Even Matt Stafford, who's always kind of stood behind his organization, uh, as bad as his organization's been, and has been very respectful about not saying things after the Thanksgiving game, uh, basically said it's out of my hands if, if they want to fire him or not. I don't have the quote in front of me, but more or less what he said was, um, I don't have any control in this and did nothing to defend him. Um, when, when Jim Caldwell, you know, they hesitated to hire him because, to my knowledge, Matt Stafford wanted to keep him there, because the Lions players wanted to keep him there. That was part of what went bad at the beginning of the Patricia regime, as I believe a lot of the players on defense that didn't get along with him, um, you know, Darius Slay, uh, guys like that, weren't happy that, that, um, that Jim Caldwell got fired. I mean, Jim Caldwell, you can say that he wasn't able to take that extra leap of getting the Lions to finally win a playoff game, but... Um, you know, he had a, a winning record, a decisively winning record o over four years, went to the playoffs twice, three out of four years, a winning record. 
um, that's pretty much Bill Belichick by Lions standards. So, like, you know, um, he's the best coach the Lions have had in my lifetime, and Matt Patricia's the worst. So, and I don't think that's hyperbole. Uh, you know, um, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty telling the, the difference in the reaction from the players, for, you know, uh, the celebration of, of Patricia's firing and the, the defense and, and kind of um, pushback of the Jim Caldwell firing. Yeah, and it's a, dev- it's a delicate balance, right, especially with Jim Caldwell where, yeah, it seemed like you guys were successful, but maybe, you know, that organizational mantra of, like, maybe you guys had hit a wall with Jim Caldwell, and now we're going to take the next step with this next guy. Clearly, it didn't work out. Let's pivot it forward a little bit because, you know, you could say what you want about the, the talent level on the Detroit Lions this season. I think it is very fair to say it's been kind of the season from hell for you guys, right, where yeah. – you got the off-field stuff. You've got burner accounts with your head coach who seems to be sparring with the general manager. You have Matt Stafford's wife, you know, posting on the internet and then apologizing the next day. You got Matt Stafford with COVID, tearing ligaments in his thumb. You got a talented DeAndre Swift who just when he finally starts, like, making some inroads, gets this concussion he's missed the last couple of weeks. Kenny Galladay's, you know, been in and out of the lineup all season long. I don't think he's played since November 1st. It's been a little no, while. He's played four games this year. Yeah, yeah, only four games all season. So if it's not a hamstring, it's a hip injury. Of course, your Thanksgiving game that Lions fans look forward to every single year. That was a bit of a disaster. But I do want to ask you, Daryl Bevel is now the interim head coach. You guys got five games left in your season. What is your level of optimism right now? Because I, I would have to think there has to be a little bit of a breath of fresh air that the Patricia era is just over. It's just something different. Yeah, and again, especially since all the players, and it became evident when they fired him, seemed happy that he's gone. Um, you know, I don't know how great Daryl Bevel is, but he's certainly more uh, deserving of being an NFL head coach than Matt Patricia ever was. And, um, and, and you know, I'm hoping to see, obviously, you know, the, the NFL fan, when your team's out of it, is often just kind of, I hope they lose a bunch of games to improve our draft pick. I don't know how much that really helps your organization long-term, especially when you've done a mediocre job with those draft picks to begin with. They're very unlikely to be in the uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields sweepstakes. And beyond that, you know, yeah, you can get a great player and there can be a big difference between picking a fifth, you know, the fifth pick and uh, the eighth or the 13th pick or something like that, wherever they might be able to go one direction or the other. But, you know, aside from Lawrence and Fields, there's not necessarily a player in this draft that people think is going to turn your franchise around, right? Or they think is a no-brainer to turn your franchise around. Those guys, I think there's a pretty strong feeling that they can do that. Um, You know, so, look, I'm done tanking here. I I, want to see some positive momentum in one direction. And I really do believe that can help your team the next year. Look at the Dolphins this year. You know, um, do you really think if the Dolphins went one in 15 last year that they would, they would have picked up the way that they picked up this year and started playing with confidence and started realizing that they have a really good coach and some really good players, um, you know, and a chip on their shoulder and some toughness and, and that they can do this. You know, I just, I don't think it's ever good for, for team mantra to, to feel like you're losing and thinking about next year. And then they are thinking about next year. That is ultimately the concern here. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, for a team that has had as disappointing of, of a year as they have, they, they don't have an excellent roster, but there's certainly some things to, to feel good about on their roster, especially on offense. Um, I don't know how many of these guys that, um, that Patricia and Quinn brought in to improve the defense are really good to begin with. We'll see about that. You know, they had, so they had a lot of injuries there too. 
Um, they have some solid players, but I, you know, of all the, the, the time they've spent on that defensive roster, um, I don't think they've brought in a game changer, not one. Um, they've gotten rid of a few. <laughs> they've gotten rid of Darius Slay, who's a game changer, who hasn't had the greatest year in Philly. But, um, but you know, they don't have a huge difference maker, some solid players that have had some solid moments. Jamie Collins is still a good player, um, but, you know, maybe kind of entering the outskirts of his prime. But on offense, they do have some reasons to be excited. Um, you know, if Kenny Galladay can, can stay healthy, there's a good chance there's going to be a franchise tag there or something along those lines to keep him around uh, another year to test that out, to see if he can stay healthy. That's probably why it would be a good decision to do that with him. Um, DeAndre Swift, you know, um, had some injuries this year. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy, you know, and, and he, he was looking like a really explosive back when uh, Matt Patricia finally decided to stop just um, running up the middle and, and Matt Patricia and, and Daryl Bevel, I guess I should say, decided to stop just running into the, up the middle into a brick wall with Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson and give this talented rookie the ball once in a while. He started showing some talent. So, um, and TJ Hawkinson, I think, is a really good tight end and has been really good this year. And, you know, you can criticize that pick a little bit. I have, but um, at the same time, you know, yeah, they spent a, t a sixth pick on a tight end, but he's looking like he's going to be one of the top, maybe five tight ends in the league for a long time. So, um, you know, they have some really good things on offense um, for a team that's struggling as much as they do. So if whether they decide they want to stretch out, uh, they want to stick with Stafford and, and try to keep winning with, you know, turn build a winning team around him over the next few years. They have a pretty good offense to build around him. Um, and, or if they want to move on from Stafford and, and, and draft a quarterback or, you know, um, do whatever they would do there, start looking for a new one. Um, you know, they have a pretty good team for him, for, for a young guy to step into if some of those young pieces can stay healthy. So, um, you know, yeah, this isn't the worst situation for a rebuild or kind of a sustainable you know, rebuild with what they have. It's not the worst situation for a head coach to, to step into. It's not necessarily the most exciting either, but, um, but you know, they could get some head coaching options uh, somewhat excited for this job, other than the fact that it's just got that Detroit Lions history of stink attached to it that might scare them away a little bit. Well, but I think what you're asking for is a really nuanced perspective where a team's either good or a team's either bad for a lot of fans. If they're bad, they're like, let's get that high draft pick. But I am in agreement with you. I think those glimmers of hope to finish up a season can actually carry themselves over, even if you end up changing a coaching staff, because a lot of the players are still going to be on the team. You know, TJ Hawkinson, uh, as reports are today, is, is trending towards a Pro Bowl appearance this year. You know, that is a positive sign. Franchising Kenny Galladay, if he can stay healthy, he is an elite wide receiver in this league. Your quarterback right now has torn ligaments in his thumb. That is not ideal. And DeAndre Swift, a guy that I like a whole lot, I think he is a super talented dude. I think the more opportunities that he gets, I think the more that he can kind of show out and really show what he's capable of. And just as you mentioned in that, that Dolphin situation, you know, they were up the track last year, but Brian, Brian Flores still got his team ready to play against the Patriots, beat the Patriots. The big story was, oh, the Patriots lost out on that first round bye. They had to go out and play the very next week, which kind of cost them in the long run. But for the Dolphins now, they had that carryover effect that I think it's fair to say is very substantial. I do want to ask you, though, and it's a, it's a hard question. I don't know if I have a right answer, but I want to get your take on it, where this has obviously been an incredibly unprecedented season, right? You know, no, no preseason games, truncated training camp, 
not really a lot of OTAs. And I have felt like at times there are a couple of outlier examples, but I've just sort of felt like the organizations that we already know that are stable organizations clearly have done well in this scenario. You know, look at the Steelers. They're undefeated, right? The Green Bay Packers, I don't think that they're world beaters, but guess what? You know, they're eight and three. They're doing their job. The Saints doing their job. The Chiefs doing their job. And I feel like when you have infrastructural dysfunction in organizations like both of our teams, let's be honest, Bears too, I think those are the teams that have really struggled this season. You know, not just dealing with whether a team is having COVID players on their, uh, on their squad or not because the Ravens, I think, are a great organization. They're dealing with that right now. But it just sort of feels like this season has been so different. And, like, look at your defense. You brought in a bunch of guys, right? And you were hoping that they were going to mesh and come in and really juice up this unit. But, honestly, what was, did it ever really get a fair chance to truly mesh? Because this season has just been so weird. What's been your take broadly on, you know, what we're considering this 2020 NFL COVID season? Yeah, um, I think that's an excellent point that I hadn't really thought of, that this year more than ever it does seem like those stable franchises have have been, you know, whether that's a coincidence or not, those more stable franchises or or franchises like the Dolphins that kind of carried positive momentum from last year. uh, We haven't had, unless I'm forgetting somebody, a massive surprise, uh, good team this year. You know, we've had some teams um, maybe like, like the Raiders and the Cardinals who, who've played better than they have last year, despite, but again, week to week though, week to week, they're pretty, those teams are kind of up and down a little bit, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying there's still teams Mm -hmm. that are in the playoff hunt overall, even despite that horrid performance by the Raiders last week, like those teams that you still have to be somewhat satisfied with the direction those franchises are going. Um, but yeah, and you're right. There hasn't been a massive surprise. Those are both teams that were kind of at the end of the day, still kind of right where you expect them just a shade over 500. Like we don't, you know, I mean, it's interesting because the league, uh, both conferences are so thick in the middle right now um, that, I mean, a lot of the teams that we're thinking of as, as contenders um, for particularly fringe Super Bowl contenders, a few of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs, you know, even with seven teams getting in. So, um, you know, it's interesting, but I I guess back to your point. um, uh, Yeah. I mean, on one hand, it's actually felt, <laughs> this is weird because we just saw a game that got delayed for a week and still was considered um, a week 12 or whatever week it was. Game. Ready for Wednesday football. Right. right. Um, you know, but at the same time, I still, I still, and this is kind of a sports in general. When I sit down to watch games, I still kind of forget that we're dealing with the COVID stuff. I don't know if that's a good or a bad sign. Um, until they show shots of the crowd and stuff. And there's kind of either no fans or fans dispersed into little pockets um, or an alarming amount of fans occasionally. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you're like, any- Oh, that's too many fans. Hold yeah, on a second. Yeah. Why are there so many fans there? Yeah. yeah. Take it down a notch, Notre Dame. Uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> the exits are that way guys. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's face it out. Yeah. So, um, you know, but when I'm watching the game, I still feel like I'm watching the game, you know, and, and when COVID, when kind of COVID sports started, I thought it was going to feel weirder than it was even the NBA playoffs with all the digital fans in the background, I still kind of got lost in the moment and just felt like I was watching a basketball game. And, and um, I don't know if that satisfies, if that's a satisfying answer, but um, it, you know, it's weird because of the schedules moving around the selfishness of it, because it has nothing to do with the health concerns of the players. Um, if, if they were concerned about the health of the players, they probably would have just canceled this Raven Steelers game or, you know, or, or to the detriment of the long-term schedule moved it 
to another week and figured it out later, move the playoffs around, do whatever they need to do. But the, the, the obvious concern of the NFL is just figuring out a way to keep everything going and not losing a game and not losing any money um, or any more than they are losing because of, you know, not having normal fans in the stands. Um, but, but when I'm sitting down to watch the games, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't see the game on a high enough level. I don't necessarily feel like the football has greatly suffered. There are, there, are, there are probably a little more injuries. I don't know if the numbers break down. People have talked as if there's been more injuries. There's a lot of injuries every year, though. So hard to quantify. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, maybe if, you know, maybe some of the, I don't know if, if some of the, you know, in-depth um, football genius nerd types have been saying that the quality of football has, has been less than it normally is. It doesn't look like extremely less to me, especially when you watch teams like the Chiefs that don't seem like they're missing a beat. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, um, it's, it, there's a lot of bizarre things about it. Um, but when I sit down to watch the games, I still feel like I'm, I'm watching football and, and maybe, you know, we use sports as the distraction and for better or for worse. Um, well, yeah, and you kind of like put it, I, I, I put it in the background, I think, and it, I do it subconsciously is almost like a survival mechanism. And then you do have to remind yourself, you know how serious everything is all the time and it's a hard reminder to continuously try and entertain be entertained as a fan and also remember the realities of the world that we're living in so i understand that and i and i'm right there with you i don't know if the i'm not so sure if the level of play has suffered i have really noticed though that i think as as a fan and someone that trust me we watch every single game right we watch every single snap but i do think we are getting kind of a bit of a, a small window into how hard it is to kind of just lace it up and play in the NFL, you know, with, with baseball and basketball, I think, you know, you get a time and a place and you can go out there and you can kind of like, you can kind of recreate it pretty quickly. But in terms of football, you just realize that the dominoes, it is a little bit more of a house of cards situation in the NFL. And I also wonder, you know, I, cause I'm just thinking about this with my bears team about this lack of continuity and for our particular situation, we didn't have a very good quarterback. We switched quarterbacks with Nick Foles, a guy that didn't have a whole lot of time, you know, to get into anything really in the offense or with the offensive chemistry of his teammates. I just wonder what that percentage is in terms of the teams that seem to be doing okay with it. You know, the next man up teams of like the Seattles of the world. And as you mentioned, the Chiefs, you know, a guy goes down, another guy just comes right back up. I mean, they seem to be still rocking and rolling and taking advantage. And while other teams that have a couple bumps to the road are unable to maintain that continuity and have just sort of struggled at times. I mean, even if you look at a team like San Francisco decimated by injuries, they're just not able to overcome that. And I, I don't think that there's an answer to this. I'm just really curious, maybe like in the off season, when we start looking back on it, we'll be like, Oh, maybe this is a little bit of a bigger issue than maybe we let on. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you have a point and, and, um, you know, you have a combination of teams dealing with injuries and maybe the injuries are up because players didn't, you know, get, get loosened up as much and, and things like that and didn't get in quite the shape they would have gotten into. I, I don't know if that's fully true, uh, but, but, and then you, but you have the, the normal NFL or maybe more NFL injuries that you, that you normally have. Um, and, and, and then you have COVID on top of that. So a lot of times, you know, rosters are just completely decimated. And then, as you said, so if somebody new needs to step in, um, this might be a player that doesn't have a lot of experience that didn't get a real NFL offseason on top of it. So if you've like got a some, practice squad wide receiver, that's now going to play a quarterback on Sunday. Like, a yeah, yeah. Not having any. So I guess that was one of the examples where I didn't feel like I was watching a normal NFL game, but, um, 
I, I didn't need to watch too much of that game. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a carnival. <laughs> not having any quarterbacks um, certainly certainly hurts an NFL team. That's something we've learned this year. <laughs> Hot take, Gunner. Hot take, my friend. So let's let's roll it out, man. We got a matchup coming up this week. Uh, Bears have lost five in a row. The Lions now, in a theory, get a fresh start, clean slate. Um, I think Kenny Galladay right now is progressing. I think he's going to be questionable if, yeah. if a game time call this week. And DeAndre Swift seems like he's close to returning. But again, that's an independent doctor that needs to rule whether he passes concussion protocol. Just give us a quick preview of this Lions-Bears matchup this weekend. What are you looking for? And are you optimistic for your Lions? Um, I'm more optimistic than I was, uh, you know, when, when Matt Patricia was the coach uh, on Thanksgiving. So, you know, they, they've also had like a week plus because they fired him right after Thanksgiving to kind of prep for this and get excited about this. And you can party for three days and then you. Can yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know, you, uh, you also know, like um, there is a little bit of a history of, of teams kind of um, that, that were upset with their with their previous coach stepping up and playing with a chip on their shoulder and playing much better when that coach is gone. And, and even if it's, even if it's not because Daryl Bevel is going to do such a better job, um, you know, I mean, he's even kind of come out and said some backhanded things about Matt Patricia, you know, as well. So um, I, I think that the team is going to rejoice a little bit around this and, and the, and to show that like, look, Hey, we're not the problem he was. Um, sort of thing. And, and the, this isn't the best roster in the NFL, but they're a roster capable of playing better than they have been, certainly better uh, capable of, of, you know, a better performance than they had against Houston at home on Thanksgiving. Um, so, you know, um, I think they're going to play tough and they're going to play fiery and excited. Um, you know, I'd still give the slight edge probably to the Bears here. They're just a little closer to the fringe of making the playoffs, even though it's probably becoming a pipe dream for both these teams at this point, the direction they're going, uh, not, you know, not even a pipe dream for the lions, but, um, but, you know, I'm still going to give a little bit of an edge to, to the bears. Just, you know, they have a defense that can keep them in games, even when their, their offense is struggling. Um, you know, the lions uh, still, I guess they have something to play for now based on what I just said to kind of to prove that. Um, but, you know, I think there's going to be a competitive game um, among two subpar teams, so to speak. Um, uh, you know, and the Lions-Bears, it's always an interesting matchup. You know, it's always kind of seems like it's going to come down to the last, like, the last possession with these teams, no matter, no matter what the records are. Right? Well, and so, that's, that's a great point because, you know, leading up to that, it was like, oh, get your popcorn ready, baby. Two below 500 teams about to duke it out. But you're right, like, for whatever reason, like some of the most interesting NFC North highlights of the season typically come from Bears-Lions game, whether it was week one in the Mitch Trubisky comeback, the DeAndre Swift drop, or, you know, go back to Calvin Johnson some years ago. You know, we always have interesting things happening in our games. And I'm right there with you. I mean, the, the, the headline for the Bears is that we're desperate. But guess what? We've been desperate for about three weeks now. So I don't really know exactly like, you know, the put up or shut up time is almost kind of come and pass and expired with this Bears team. And, I, you know, I, I hope that they can come out and, and have a solid effort. It's been 44 days, I believe, since the last time they won a football game. Just, just talk about what it has been like for you as a Lions fan not having Kenny Galladay in the lineup. You said he's only played four games this year. But in my personal opinion, when I watch the Lions with Kenny Galladay in the lineup, it looks like a completely different offense to me personally. And if he doesn't play this weekend – you know, who are you looking for in the passing game to perhaps, you know, provide some type of pr production for you on offense? Yeah, um, I, I don't think they're expecting him to play this week. Um, I, he's, 
I, I think they're three and one in the four games that he's played. And, and that might be partially coincidence, but at the same time, the offense has looked different, you know, when he's been there. It opens up things for other guys. Um, unfortunately, Marvin Jones just hasn't really been able to produce at all like he did the last few years. I, I don't know if that's a matter of him being washed or just, um, you know, if, if he's been playing through injuries or, or what it is, or, or, but um, he doesn't look like the same player. And I don't expect that to change. You know, it's possible that he has that one big game towards the end of the season. I just don't expect it to change drastically at any point. Um, you know, TJ Hawkinson has stayed involved consistently. Um, I think hopefully if, if Swift is able to play, then, then they're really looking to, to get him the ball a lot if he's, if he's you know, healthy enough to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, they haven't had another receiver step up. You know, Dan, Danny Amendola is often not even out there and, and doesn't look good when he is. Um, they, they just don't have that next receiver uh, Marvin Jones' contract is up this year. I mean, they, they really it, it might just be coming back with with basically Kenny Galladay, Hawkinson, and and you know whatever else they Marvin can find. Hall, yeah, Marvin Hall, who's really you know a third or fourth receiver, not not terrible, but but he's never going to change a game. Occasional deep threat kind of. Muhammad's the new sighting, though. Yeah, yeah, he did have a couple catches. It was one of those where I was like, oh, I remember hearing that they brought him in and. You know, yeah, it's it's it was interesting. He actually looked pretty good. It, it surprised me that there hasn't been a, a spot for Muhammad Sanu in recent years. But Big maybe, body target in the red zone, my man. We'll see. Um, so yeah, yeah, maybe that's the guy. I don't know. Um, but but yeah, the passing game is going to have a lot of trouble getting going. Um, you know, I don't expect that to change too much because based on my knowledge, Daryl Bevel was already in pretty full control of the offense. Um, it's not, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe he was handcuffed a little bit by some things that Patricia wanted to do. I, I don't know if that's the case. Um, but, um, I, I don't, I don't expect that to change a whole lot. Um, you know, maybe they'll pull some extra tricks out of their sleeve cause they would really like to just win the, find a way to win this game. Um, so yeah, you know, I think this is, this is anybody's game. Again, I'm giving the slight edge to the bears. Uh, just, you know, the lions, lions defense is bad enough to, to make Mitch Trubisky look competitive and, um, and, and we'll see, but um, you know, yeah, it's uh, you know, it is actually become an interesting game with these two teams that like the way that they finish the season, as we just said, um, is very telling going forward. I mean, um, you, you have to think that, that there's some chance of the bears firing Matt Nagy if, if the end of the season doesn't look very good. Right. As well as uh, their, their GM who's been there, I think even longer who hired Matt Nagy and, and Nagy might be pretty good, but um, but, you know, the, the pieces that they put there for him haven't really improved at all since they were a playoff team a few years ago. So, um, yeah, similar paths, different storylines. I mean, they're just, you know, you guys, you guys have a quarterback. We don't have a quarterback. That's been a big problem of our falling apart. You guys hired a defensive coach. Your defense sucks. We hired an offensive coach. Our offense sucks. The general manager, we've been questioning the moves, you know, on and off for the last three, four years. He's been there for six years, you know, yeah. Ryan Pace. It's not like he hasn't, you know, had like only one bite at the apple on this whole thing. And I just think that there's a frustration level right now. Of course, we're kind of dealing with in 2018, we went 12 and four. As a Bears fan, I legitimately thought we had a chance to contend for a Super Bowl that year. And just to see us regress in 2019, think that that was an aberration. And then to come back this year, albeit during some kind of, you know, unprecedented times and circumstances to come back this year and perhaps even regress even more. It's just something that it's a frustration level. 
that I just don't think that we can really put up with anymore. And that's what's funny, right, is Matt Patricia's on his way out, and I'm going to get it wrong, but what his record's like, what, like 13 and 38, something? It's not very good. It's not promising. And Matt Nagy might be on his way out, and he's well over 500. I mean, I think he's like 25 and 13 as a head coach. So, you know, it's just – it's a bottom line business, but both teams are kind of heading in the same direction. My question for you is help me fill in the blank here. The lions will win this week in week 13 against the bears. If they blank. Um, if they, since I don't think Kenny Galladay is going to play, if they can get, you know, some kind of offensive stability without him. Um, and if they can just play respectable defense against a team with a terrible offense, I mean, that, that, that doesn't seem like that much to ask. Um, but uh, you know, again, Hey, it, it's, it's really just the kind of the heart that, that you'd be hoping for from the lions, because you know, there are some good players on that defense um, and, and they're going, and none of them seem to be too crazy about Matt Patricia, or at least the ones that I've heard speak out. I haven't heard anyone defend him. So um, you know, there's going to be some uh, eagerness to prove that, that they can play and, and, um, and, and, you know, so yeah, just respectable defense, occasional, you know, maybe one, maybe one sack, <laughs> one or two, uh, putting some pressure on the quarterback. Um, I mean, the, the first, the first, you know, game against the Bears, um, Lions were up, to, I think the Lions were up, what, 17 at one point. I mean, to let Mitch Trubisky just march down the field and, 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 and make a 17 point comeback, you know, starting late in the third quarter um, against a, a roster that you completely revamped the defense in the off season is an absolute embarrassment, you know? Uh, so um, it, it, it really was, and, and it never really turned, we, they never really recovered from that. Right. Um, and I mean, they haven't really recovered from a lot of the blown leads in the Matt Patricia era. So, um, so yeah, you know, just respectable defense. It, it shouldn't take a great, uh, defensive performance to, to make Mitch Trubisky struggle and, and the Bears offense struggle. Um, I, you know, they, they should be able to beat this team. But, you know, you mentioned Matt Nagy and, you know, talking about him and Ryan Pace. You know, I, my take on it would be that Nagy is actually a pretty good head coach. Um, but the GM that hired him has done nothing to improve the roster that, that he's inherited. So um, I don't know how much control Matt Nagy has had over the moves and how much we can point at him to blame. But, you know, the thought would be that the smart move might be fire the GM and give the head coach another, another shot, but that doesn't usually work that way, right? So if, if the Bears don't at least, aren't at least sniffing the playoffs at the end of the season, I think there's a good chance they're both going to go, right? Definitely a good chance that they're both going to go. The only reason why Chicago fans feel like they both would need to go if there would be a change is because the last time it came around, we kept Lovey Smith around and we hired Phil Emery as our general manager. And let's be honest, Lovey Smith was never going to keep the job. It was almost kind of like a waste of time, even though like a really good coach, right? He still won 10. He won 10 games and then got fired. Lovey Smith. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Bears fans treated him like he was terrible, but he, he he's, the mean, he he's just the second winningest coach in, uh, of all time in Bears history. Yeah. No with game. a lot of mediocre <laughs> rosters and terrible offenses. Yeah. Right, right, right. I, just, I never so, understood the hatred for Lovey Smith. And so in my opinion, if you do one, you have to do both. And I'm definitely looking at Pace as the general manager. Look, last year, I believe they finished, I think, like 20. 28th or 29th in the league in offense. So what did he do in the offseason? <laughs> he drafted a tight end in the second round, who they don't use. They signed a right guard from the Seahawks who led the league in offensive holding penalties. He hasn't really – he's been fine this year, but it's not like a wowie wow wow pickup, right? 
They drafted a wide receiver in the fifth round, Darnell Mooney, who's actually worked out. I'm not trying to give him a hard time, but this is these are the moves in their head. And then they traded a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles, who, let's be honest, won a Super Bowl, but the Jaguars gave him a bunch of money, and he lost his job to Gardner Minshew. And they found out within, what, six months that Nick Foles was not going to be the long-term answer there in Jacksonville. So these are the type of moves when you're trying to revamp an offense that isn't good. It wasn't an overhaul. It was just some sort of weird, like, let's get out some coupons and let's just see if we can do this kind of maybe on the cheap and nip-tuck here and let's believe in what we have. And it's just honestly, it's just been an abject disaster. And we don't have a lot of depth on offense, and it's just been a problem. So I think Ryan Pace is definitely – really behind the eight ball on this one, especially when we move on from Trubisky and we're going to be asking the same guy to make the same decision to find another quarterback, the guy that brought in Mike Glennon, the guy that drafted Mitch Trubisky, and the guy that traded for Nick Foles. Are we really going to let him pick another quarterback? That's a big question here. I want to get you out of here on this one. You might have already kind of answered the question a little bit, but I want you to answer it in a different, in a different frame, mind frame. The Bears will win this week if blank. Um, you know, if Mitch Trubisky can play just solid game manager style, um, Ooh, that's can, a tall ask, tall ask, if, buddy. Yeah, if they can get, if they can get a, a running game going, which is never really a problem for anyone against the lions, um, you know, and, uh, and if they can create, um, you know, at least one or two turnovers, which there's a good chance they will. <laughs> yeah, it's good possibly. Yeah. I think Matt Stafford in, uh, 18 career games against the bears is 22 interceptions. So eventually yeah. I think he does at least cough one up there. And yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting game. I will say if the bears lose this whole Matt Nagy and the hot seat thing, it, it is not going to become white hot. It could perhaps even become uh, an ejection seat. Uh, I'm not kidding. Cause at some point, how many games are you going to lose in the NFL in a row before you start to lose your job? You know, we, we lose six games in a row. I mean, how many do you lose in the NFL before you finally, you know, you know, just say, Hey, we got to go in yeah. a different direction. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's it's almost unfortunate for his sake because the twelve and four year was, you know, kind of an overachieving year with uh, an unproven young quarterback and a, a roster that had some really good things but had a lot of concerns on offense. Um, so, you know, he, he he then he puts himself in a position where he has to match that again. Um, really, five and six for this team in a in a very deep um, NFC isn't that bad considering the roster. Um, so to me, again, I, it, in, unless Matt Nagy is more responsible for a lot of these moves than I think he is, um, the, the problem is more the GM. And until you get a solid roster around this guy, um, I, I don't know how much we can blame the coach. I mean, give him credit for, for you know, turning that team 12 and, 12 and 4 a few years ago. Doesn't necessarily mean it, he's a disaster because he couldn't do it again. And that's a, and that's a really fair point, too, as well, where – I think what it is, is it's an optic thing too, where you mentioned 2018, you know, Mitch Trubisky was, it was very raw, a very raw talent, but we were winning football games and it was almost like the old cliche of Matt Nagy was putting lipstick on a pig. And now a couple of years later, you know, the makeup's kind of worn off a little bit and we're like, Hey, hold on. That's a pig. And it's just like, well, yeah, no, no shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. And I'm with you at five and six. It's been brutal. You know, we lost in overtime to the saints you know, we've had opportunities in a couple of these games, other games. We've beat, just beat, beat the Bucks. you know, yeah, beat the Bucks, and, and, and it's, and it's been a really tough stretch. I mean, we've lost, you know, to the Titans and we've lost to the saints and we've lost to the Rams and you know, all these Respectable teams, going, teams to lose to, they're yeah. all going to the playoffs Packers all going to the playoffs. So unfortunately I don't know if we're playoff ready 
we're probably more in that mediocre middle tier area, hoping that we could have picked up one of those games we didn't. Now we've got a pretty decent schedule moving forward, you know, and it starts with Bears versus Lions this weekend. Final question for you, Gunner, before you get out of here. Outside of a, a head coach, because we all know that that's going to be on your, your wish list, what do you want for Christmas from the Detroit Lions besides the head coach heading into next year? If you could just pick one thing, one area on the team, one, one thing that would be like, man, if next year they were really good at this, I would be a proud Lions fan. What would that be? So my answer can't just be hire Eric Bieniemy, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because that would be number one, but then I would be violating your rules. I'll accept um, it. I'll accept it. <laughs> you know, I, I, a respectable defense it, it, more than anything. I, I think a, a head coach can get something out of this offense and improve this offense. Um, you know, so whether they, they determine that the personnel is the problem. I mean, and again, I guess back to my other point, um, some good players on this defense, you need at least one game changer player to be a great defense, right? You guys have Khalil Mack, like you need that one guy who can, who, who, who can turn a game around in one play, who can cause fear in the opposing offense. Lions haven't had that. I mean, you could say they had that with Darius Slay. He was injured quite a bit last year. He's still kind of a cover corner. So it's a little bit different, but you know, two years ago with Darius Slay, maybe, you know, um, but um but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that would be the thing that, you know, find, find a way to get a game changing player on this defense. Um, so it's not totally this like, Hey, all you C plus B minus guys go out there and, and, and level up a little bit, you know, that one guy who can consistently uh, change games the way that Ndamukong Sue did the way that um, briefly Ezekiel Ansah did with the Lions when he was healthy. Uh, briefly, DeAndre Levy when he had that two-year stint as a superstar. You know, we haven't had that uh, game-changing defensive player, um, you know, since those guys. So that, that would be, that would be uh, other than hiring Eric Bieniemy, which would be my number one Christmas wish list, which I have a feeling he's going to get some more tempting offers than the Detroit Lions. But, hey, he didn't get, you know, he, nobody hired him last year. So Hey, a we'll little see. wine, a little dine. You never know how far it can get you. You never know, you know, unlikely, unlikely, unlikely lovers. Um, yeah. And you know what, as you mentioned earlier in the pod, you know, if you guys are in, you know, not top five, but if you're in the eight to 15 area draft wise, that's a perfect time to target one of those, you know, field marshal linebackers, which I think is kind of what you're asking for right now. A guy that just, you know, can make calls on the field, can kind of lead, rally everybody, lead the team in tackles. I know you got like the Jamie Collins in the world, but I think you kind of need that young stud that you just kind of plug in there and go, hey, the next seven or eight years, man, you were calling out the Mike linebackers and you're were, you were, you were leading the action on the field, you know, for us for the next foreseeable future. Gunner, final question, getting you out of here. Final score. Give me a final score. What's going to be Bears-Lions week 13? Oh, you know, I, I, it, I'm tempted to go with the Lions in the revenge game. Uh, I think they'll keep it respectable, but, but um, I, I don't want to be too optimistic as a Lions fan because that's never done me well. I'm going 20 to 17 Bears in this one. <laughs> I, I do have one more thought that we didn't get in. Oh, please, please, Hopefully please. this isn't too much of a derail. Um, we, you know, we, we touched on Nick Foles earlier, right? Yes. And, and I can't, one of the most fascinating storylines to me in, in, in recent NFL weeks has been this um, bizarre uh, tendency for, for all NFL pundits to defend Carson Wentz's horrible play. And um, is there any bigger indictment for Carson Wentz 
that Nick Foles stepped in, played better than he did with that great offense and great offensive line on his way to a Super Bowl, and has since lost starting jobs to Gardner Minshew and Mitch Trubisky. I mean, you know, so for the defenses of Carson Wentz that are coming, oh, the offensive line isn't good this year. He hasn't had a lot of weapons. I saw him make some terrible throws with time in that Seattle game. Um, you know, he might just not be very good because you have to go back to when that one year that he was good. So if we're going we're gonna to defend him with a bad offensive line and bad, you know, weapons this year, um, he had the best offensive line in the league and very good weapons the one brief period when he was very good. So, you know, let's find some balance there. And the fact that Nick Foles played better than him when he stepped in. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is the worst in the league, but he's not that guy that we thought he was in that MVP candidate year if he can't outplay Nick Foles, who can't outplay Gardner Minshew or Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, Wentz has been brutal. Goff has been brutal. And there is a really interesting narrative going. And I, and I, I love that you're bringing this up because – I think NFL fans and especially fans of their respective teams really need to start kind of paying a little bit more attention to the bullshit meter when it comes to quarterbacks and the way that we like to shine the turds of some of these dudes and just be really like kind of honest with ourselves in our assessment kind of moving forward. Look, I've done it with Mitch Trubisky and I've done it because I thought he was a young player that I wanted to see get better and make some progress. It wasn't in exactly the same as like Wentz and Goff who have had previous success, just like Nick Foles had. But even still, like the way that we just bullshit our way through how these dudes are good or upper echelon or elite or whatever. I mean, I just really think we need to call them who they are. And I think every team out there in the NFL wants to have this like elite, amazing quarterback. And I think there's only so many of them on this planet earth and that's okay. Like, just because yeah. someone isn't a Mahomes or a Brady or a Big Ben or a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson go down the list doesn't mean that you still can't win games. You don't have to keep fluffing these dudes up all the damn time to make them seem like that they're, that they're so amazing and better than what they are. And I think some guys are just more in the middle than we thought they were. Like, I'm with you. Carson Wentz. Yeah. Not only is he not an elite quarterback, but he might not even be on the Eagles next year. He might actually be playing himself out of town. And I guarantee you right now, the Chicago Bears in the offseason, there's going to be some article out there that's going to be like, should the Bears target Carson Wentz? No, there's going to be a lot of teams. And the I Bears understand. trade for Sam Darnold? Like, yeah. all, that, I, I, all that's going to happen. I, hey, you know, I, I, I understand taking, a, uh, taking a, a, a low, kind of a low, buy low risk on one of those guys. Um, I'm just saying, I, I, I'm, you know, it's interesting to, to your point, who we defend and who we bash, right? I feel like the NFL critics, and I know it's just a bigger name and, you know, but there's been more bashing of, of Tom Brady this year than there has been of Carson Wentz. And he's a 43-year-old on a new team who has had some moments where he has not looked like himself. But, you know, um, overall, I'd say it's pretty respectable what he's been able to do at 43 years old on a new team. Yes, a lot of offensive weapons there you know, um, versus, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's always interesting to me. And, and this year, especially, it's interesting to me, the quarterbacks who we defend and the ones who we bash. And there's every time I turn on ESPN or, or watch a post game show after an Eagles game or watch an Eagles game, these broadcasters are just coming up with flurries of excuses for Carson Wentz's horrible play. I mean, the, the last game, I think they were getting close to the red zone. I saw him just missed three open receivers in a row on three straight plays. You know, yeah, the offensive line is bad, but so is he. My whole life, um, you know, 
we haven't given Matt Stafford a pass on bad games because his O-line is bad. Or, you know, quarterbacks don't normally get that kind of a pass. Um, we're not really giving it to Jared Goff right now, most people. He's getting bashed pretty hard, and he's probably playing better than Carson Wentz, um, you know. And, and, and he does deserve some criticism, but it, it's just, it's interesting who we, I, I think some of it has to do with the fact that he's kind of this gritty blue collar guy who goes hunting all the time, you know, the, the football pundits love that. I, there's something there, I guess. I don't know. Um, but he, he hunts instead of parties. So we, we like him. <laughs> he's bringing home deer, not yeah. beer and ladies. He's a good old boy, so he can't possibly be bad, no matter how many interceptions he throws. Yeah, and I and I hear you. You got to keep the wall. You got to keep the wheels spinning, and I totally understand that. And there's sometimes, you know, there's guys that just have good seasons, and some guys that just have bad seasons. It doesn't make them a better quarterback, or it doesn't make them a worse quarterback. You know, Derek Carr is another great example too, as well. Matt Ryan's another great example too, as well. I mean, they're just dudes that like you don't know whether they're going to have a good or bad season, and they're capable of the good just as capable as they are of the bad. And unfortunately, there just aren't that many like elite quarterbacks. And we all want to keep adding people to that elite list. But it's increasingly harder and harder and harder to fit those people into what I think is a very exclusive club. Yeah, Wonder, I mean, man. to your point, pretty much every quarterback, you can look at the roster of, every, you know, look at the, every, every team in the NFL. And basically every quarterback – you know, every team has a quarterback that we once thought was going to be the next big thing, you know, and we once convinced ourselves was going to be great. And this guy is going to be a franchise quarterback. And we never really hearkened back to like, hey, what did we say about this guy four years ago? We were wrong. Um, we, we just kind of change opinions and move forward, you know, as the play changes. But well, they're not all they're not all Mahomes. They're not all Russell Wilson. Those guys are very rare. And it takes a few years to know that you really have that guy, right? Look at Robert Griffin III and some of those other guys in recent history that have been excellent for a year or two or a year and a half and then completely fallen off. It takes more than one or one and a half seasons to call a guy, you know, the next Tom Brady, the next Brett Favre, the next Peyton Manning. Well, right. And my, my final thought on this, too, that, you know, the way that the NFL draft has changed you know, we're, we're at the point now where the generation of quarterbacks that are in the league now, they're all top 10 picks. You know, I mean, Bears fans want to rail about how Mitch Trubisky was a number two pick and all this other stuff. But, you know, every single quarterback out there, to my knowledge, if you really go up and down the list, outside of maybe the Jimmy Garoppolo in the second yeah. round or something. Russell Wilson. Go, yeah. Russell Wilson. But even Very few now, exceptions. He, he's been in the league for almost 10 years now. You know, even yeah. the last five or six years, go up and down the list of Baker Mayfields of the world. These are all number one, number two, number three overall picks, number five, number six overall picks. Yep. All of them are in the top ten. So whether these dudes shake out or not, you know, these are all high draft picks at this point. Spectrum Sports producer, Gunnar Ludwig, my good friend, thank you so much for coming back on the pod, man. Always great to talk to you. Always good to talk about Lions. And let's just uh, let's see what happens this weekend. And then let's gear up for some Pistons versus Bulls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, you know, Detroit sports is just getting better and better. When the best thing you have going for sports in your city is you just gave Jeremy Grant $60 million, it's, it's going to be a rough go. It's hot, baby. It's hot. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining, my friend. This is Redding Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head to BetOnline this weekend for week 13. All the great spreads and totals, even the live betting prop too as well. You can get in on that. This is it for us today. We got plenty more coming the rest of this week, and we have a ton of pods coming next week, so make sure you guys check it out. Uh, until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other. We will talk soon. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.